We're talking about thriving with opportunities. And for those of us who are in Christ, we are so blessed because we, we have not only the natural abilities and the strengths that God endowed us with uh, by making us the way he did and placing us where he did, but we also have his Holy Spirit residing in us, guiding us, pointing us forward toward what God has for us. And in order to truly live this out, we have to be a people who are thriving. Notice the series is not called coping with opportunities, all right? We're, we're not trying to cope. We're not trying to get by. We, we are thriving. What does it mean to be thriving? Thriving is the confidence to be intimate with God, and the contentment to obey God's commands while trusting the outcomes to God's capable care. And we're seeking to do that by studying Nehemiah. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go now to Nehemiah. Let's go to chapter two. Let's go, let's go where we finished last week. Uh, go to uh, verses 19 and 20 of Nehemiah chapter two. Last week when we finished off, Nehemiah was, was being attacked verbally. He is now the recognized problem uh, of, the, of the existing power people there in Jerusalem. And so he's coming against them. And what we learned from Nehemiah last week is how to stay focused on God, no matter what's going on around us. What we're going to see in chapter three today is what it looks like to serve God's cause. Everybody in this room is serving a cause. You're going to hear me say that several times today. So go ahead and, and kind of get it in your mind. Everyone is serving a cause. It may not be God's cause. Uh, it may be your cause. It may be the cause of self, your, 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 your self-dream, your, your self-fulfillment. It may be your parents. Uh, you may be right now living out your parents' dream for you. It's not yours. It's really not God's. It's your parents. You, you want to please your dad. You want to please your, your mom. Some of you are, are, are living out your company's cause. And no matter what they'd require of you, that no matter what you have to give up by, by way of family and integrity, you're willing to. Because it's the company's cause and you've become convinced that it's worth it. For some of you, it's the cultural influence that you're under. The person you think is cool. The person you think that's really got it together, really knows. It may be a politician, it may be an entertainer, it may be some kind of uh, speaker or leader of some sort. But you're willing to do whatever it takes to look like them and talk like them and sound like them and, and be like them. And that's your cause. That's what you give your money to. That's what you give your affections to. That's what you give your mind to. And whatever gets all that from you, that's your cause. Well, you need to understand something really, really important. God's cause is the cause to live for. Everybody in this room is living for a cause. God's cause is best. And I, I want to convince you of that today. Nehemiah, he served God's cause. And, and the way he did that was really unique. It was building a wall. And that doesn't maybe seem like a big deal to us, but it was a big deal to them because it gave them something significant they needed. First of all, it gave them protection against their enemies. Secondly, it gave them a source of identity. They were able to say, hey, everyone inside of these walls, uh, we are God's people. We have a unique standing in place in eternity, in, in God's care. And finally, within those walls, there was an understanding of the need to get that mess cleaned up. There was all kinds of rocks and rubble and junk that was in the way of them being able to accomplish and be what God wanted them to be. And so they had to get all that stuff cleaned up. Well, our cause is not a wall. Our cause as Christians is the mission of Jesus Christ. And his cause gives something very similar to what that wall gave. First of all, the cause of Christ gives protection. As human beings, we are always fighting two, 
two evils, two things that were not a part of God's design originally for us. One, sin. Sin was not God's design. God's design was harmony. It was holiness. It was perfection. Sin entered the world through us. And God's, God's design was not sin, but we bought into it. And there, there's a consequence to that. And, and death. Death was one of the consequences of it. And it's one of the things that we human beings fear almost more than anything else. We have, we have two big enemies. Sin and death. Sin destroys everything good in our lives. Every good relationship is destroyed by sin. Every good thing you've got is, is destroyed by sin. And Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for sin. He has freed us from sin. And because on the third day he was raised after paying the penalty for sin, which is death, he's now defeated death. So we no longer have to live in fear of sin. We no longer have to live in fear of death because those enemies have been destroyed by, by our victor, Jesus Christ. That's why part of the, God, the cause of God is Jesus Christ and his victory over our enemies. Secondly, he, 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 allows us, he allows us to have a new identity. You know what I love about my life? No matter, no matter where I go, no matter what happens, I'm a son of the king of heaven. I am a blood-bought, spirit-filled saint. By grace, through faith, in Christ alone. No matter where I go and no matter what happens to me, I've got an identity that lasts forever. And if you're a Christian this morning, that's your identity. It's given to you by grace. Through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, not only has he destroyed our enemies of sin and death, he's given us a new identity. And now that he's made us his own and he's put us within himself, he's cleaning us up. He's sanctifying us. He's getting the junk out of our life that, that, that keeps us from being able to live out who God designed for us to be. And that happens, friends, and be careful to understand this. This life only happens, this, this thriving life, it only happens through the power of the gospel. You can't earn this life. You can't make this life happen. You cannot be a thriving person without the gospel. Now, now how do we incorporate the gospel in our life? Now, interestingly, we use this thing. I don't know if you've heard of this before. It's called three circles. Now, I'm going to tell you, past few weeks, the congregation's been copping a little attitude with their preacher. I've been putting up these three circles. I've seen some eye rolls. I've seen people when the three circles come up start kind of like, well, what else is he going to say? Does he have anything else other than the three circles to ever talk about? And so here's, here's what I'd like to know. I've been preaching this for seven years. Can you, on a napkin, explain the three circles? So go ahead and put it up. There it is. Go. To the people around you, hopefully you are, you know, distancing appropriately. If someone gets sick because they've done this exercise, that's on you. That ain't on me, all right? Talk to the people. I'm going to give you one minute. Go. Describe the three circles. Do it. I bet the kids know. Kids pay attention without attitude, mom and dad. Come on. Those of you who are sitting alone, do it in your head. (laughs) 
Oh, I wonder that I wonder who's getting it right. Oh, I do wonder. I wonder after seven years, some of you sitting here, I wonder if that person who rolled their eyes last week that caused this pop quiz to be given to the entire congregation is able now to to, to fill in the three circles. All right, put up the answer key, guys. All right, there it is. Oh, it's like the Jeopardy. Oh, that's right. What is three circles? What, that's, what is in the first one? God's design. How was it destroyed? By what? Sin. What does sin cause? Now, what will heal us from sin? What's in that third circle? Gospel. What do we have to do with the gospel? Repent. We got to turn from self-sufficiency. We got to believe in what Christ has done. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And what will that enable us to do? Pursue and recover God's design. Friends, we need to know this. This is the only way we can have a thriving life. We need to know this because we need to be able to share it. That's why I put it up week after week. Believe it or not, it is not to annoy you. It is to make sure that you can share it. I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to share this with people that you know that don't attend Living Hope. They may be believers. They may be non-believers. Share the three circles this week and explain it to them. Now, make sure you get it right. Don't go the wrong way, all right? Make sure you get it right, but share the three circles and know that there is something in the power of the gospel that can free us. And what we see in our text today is is that it enables us to serve God's cause. God's cause is what happens when we pursue and recover God's design. God's design is there, but it's going to require us to pursue God's cause. And that's what our text explains to us today. I hope you've got your Bible already open. I I ask you to go to chapter 19, and I'm sorry, verse 19 and 20 of chapter 2. Let's go to chapter 3. Let's go one verse. Let's go one over, and let's get to chapter 3. And I'm going to read from verses 1 through 5, even though the the entire chapter will be the subject of the sermon. So let's all stand together in honor of God's word. We're in Nehemiah chapter 3. I'm going to begin reading verses 1 through 5. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Emery, built. The, the sons of Hesanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired. And then uh, next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, son of Meshezebel, repaired. And next to them, Zodak, the son of Baanah, repaired. And then next to them, now this is verse 5. Here's why we're stopping at this verse. And then next to them, the Tekoites. But their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. Friends, always remember, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. If you would be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. Uh, Go to verse 1, very important word there. You might want to circle it because it it, it defines a distinction uh, of what has been discussed up to this point in the book. Up to this point, everything's been about Nehemiah. It's been about God speaking to him, God providing through him. Uh, but, but now in, in verse one of chapter three, then tells us it's time now to focus on the response of the people. There is a time for prayer and preparation. There is a time to, to get clarity. There is a time to even discuss what must be done. But then there's a time for action. 
There is a time to lean in to doing what we deem is best and right. Now, most of the people believed that obeying God's word and and serving uh, God's cause was best. But in verse five, look at at again, look at who these folks were, the Tekoites. The Tekoites, they wouldn't do it. They, They would not stoop to serve. Now, had I read through verse 32, which is worth doing, by the way, not only to enjoy the sounding out of all those beautiful Hebrew names, but to realize that these are real people. And many of them decided it, w- it was worth it that they would serve God's cause. This listing of names, I'll explain why it's important in a minute and how important it is that we make sure that our names are listed elsewhere. But, but for now, let's, let's, let's really lean into to what it looks like when God's people serve God's cause, because that's what we see here in chapter three. This is what I want us to gather from this text. The first thing to take note of is this. All who serve God's cause have a deep motivation to please and honor God. There is a deep Motivation. It's not a simple motivation. It's not just a, here you'll get a ribbon, here you, this will make you feel good for a few minutes. No, no, no. It's a deep motivation. It's very unlikely that Jerusalem was filled with people who were trained and, and people who were passionate wall builders. I doubt that anyone had a master's degree in wall building. I doubt anyone in Jerusalem had an undergraduate. I bet there wasn't an associate's degree on wall building. And I doubt that there were very many people when Nehemiah got to town, he said, hey, everybody who loves to build a wall, why don't you guys come and hang out? You know why he didn't do that? Because there probably wasn't a wall building club, right? There probably weren't a lot of kids. Mom said, where are the kids? Dad's, oh, they're out building that wall again. You know how they love to build those walls? Probably not normal, right? So probably wasn't something that they were excited about. Friends, God's cause is not always exciting. It's not always about what we like to do. What is God's cause? God's cause is God's calling. And we talked about this last week, very important Christian axiom. The need of the kingdom of God is always the call of God. And God always equips his people to accomplish his calling. You're not always going to to, 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 to get butterflies and excitement about God's cause. God's calling is not always going to be the first thing on your mind that you think, oh, I want to do this. It doesn't mean it's supposed to make you miserable. No, it's, it's supposed to make you fulfill your, your divine purpose that, that we're going to talk about in just a moment. But it, friends, at the end of the day, it, it's, it's not about us. It's about God. It's God's cause. And again, God doesn't want us to cope with opportunity. He wants us to be a people who are thriving with opportunities, leaning in, wanting to. Like, we don't want to be like, you know, the little boy in the classic story. You've heard me tell this little guy was standing up at dinner and his dad, boy, you better sit down. The child, I don't want to sit down. Sit down, child. And the little boy sits down and crosses his arms and he looks at his dad and says, I'm sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. You know what God doesn't want? He doesn't want children who are, who are sitting in their pews on the outside, but on the inside, they're standing far from God. God wants us to be motivated, 
to be motivated to serve his cause. Now, what would motivate us to serve his cause? Uh, We're gonna come right back to Nehemiah chapter three, but for right now, let's go to the New Testament. Let's look at at what, what motivates us who believe to serve God's cause. Let's go to Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at just a a few verses. There's three things that I want you to note that motivates us. What the scripture says motivates us. Uh, What motivates us to please and honor God is, first of all, his grace and his love. His grace and his love. Look at verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. You know what motivates those who believe is the fact that once we were dead in our sins, we were on our way to hell. We were under the wrath of God and we, and we, we deserve the wrath of God. But by his grace, he loved us even when we were sinners, even when we were committing treason against the high king of heaven. He loved us. He died for us and he gave us this, this salvation And so now we are right with God. We're right with him. We can be right with others all because of his grace. And and you guys, most of you know this song. Can you finish it for me? Um, Jesus paid it all. Friends, it's it's true. If, If you've genuinely been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, there's nothing that Jesus cannot ask of you. There's nothing that, that, would be, that would be too much to give to him. Happily, motivated because of what he's done for us. More than that, the reward. Look at the reward. Look at verse six. Look at the reward. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's now. Right now we have a holy standing with God. And the riches of heaven are now ours as we live out his promises. But more than that, look at verse 7. So that in the coming ages, the ages to come, the, the time when Christ returns and, and there is a new heaven and a new earth, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. There is a great reward for those who serve God's cause. We need to be motivated to, to not only simply just honor Jesus for what he's done, but to know that there's a reward that brings him glory and us blessing. And that reward is, is it's manifested and it's made possible through us living out what, what Jesus made us to be. And that's what's so beautiful about this. We are able to actually live out who who God in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit made us to be. So look at with me in verse eight. How does that happen? For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works. You can't earn this so that no one may boast. So there's only humility in this. But what have we become? For we are his workmanship, his piata, his masterpiece. We are his crown jewel. We are his workmanship. And what are we? We're created. We're born again in Christ Jesus. What are we created for in Christ Jesus? For good works. And do we have to come up with this on our own? Of course not. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God already knows what he wants to do with us. 
He made us physically. He placed us in a particular time. He has filled us with his spirit. He's given us spiritual gifts. And now he is wanting to unleash us into serving his cause. That cause that will bring great reward, great glory to him, great meaning to us. But not, not everyone's going to do it. Some of you sitting here are not going to do it. And I want, I want to be real clear with you as to why. I want, I want you to understand. I don't want there to be any confusion as to why if you don't, if you don't pursue and recover God's design and serve God's cause with your life, why it is. Go back to Nehemiah 3. Let's go back to the Old Testament. Go back to Nehemiah 3. I want to be, I, 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 don't, want, I don't want there to be any confusion over this. I want to be as clear as I can right now. If you're not willing to serve God's cause, here's why. Look in verse five. The Tekoites. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired. But their nobles, why wouldn't they? They would not, look at that. They would not stoop to serve the Lord. They would not stoop. They wouldn't say, Lord, whatever you want. I'm yours. They weren't willing to set aside their agenda. They weren't willing to set aside their idols. They weren't willing to set aside what they thought was best. Whenever, and I just want to be real clear on this. If you're not willing to serve God's cause, I want you to know you're serving a cause. And if it's not God's cause, here's why. You don't think God's worth it. You think God's wrong, and you think you know better. The way you spend your money, the way you spend your time, what you pursue and what you're passionate about is your cause. And if it's not God's cause, here's why. Because you won't stoop to submit to him. You think he's wrong and you think you're right. What motivates those who believe is the grace of God. If you're not serving God's cause, let me tell you what you're pursuing. Make no mistake about it. You've heard me talk about the four P's before. Here's what you're pursuing. Here's, what, here's your cause. Power, pleasure, popularity, or possessions. If you're not serving God's cause, you're trying to get power, popularity, pleasure, or possessions because you think they're more valuable than God. Please don't joke around. Don't kid yourself. Don't, don't make excuses for yourself. If you're not serving God's cause, you're serving a cause, and it's one of those four, and you think God's wrong. Philippians 3, 18 through 19 describes those who think God's wrong. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. If you're not serving God's cause, your mind is set on earthly things. Power pleasure, popularity, possessions, bottom line. 
if you have been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone and you appreciate it and you love him and you honor him, there is nothing he cannot ask of you. And you are motivated, you're excited. Here these people were in Jerusalem and please make no mistake, what these people were doing was dangerous. This was a very important transition time in world history, not just the history of the people of Israel because the promises of God were about to come true through the people of God. And so what was happening in this moment, it mattered forever and ever. And these folks were saying, it's worth it. It's worth it. But this was dangerous. Go back real quick. Go back to chapter 19. I'm sorry, chapter two, verse 19. They knew Sanballat. They knew Tobiah. They knew Geshem. They knew that they hated Nehemiah. They knew that they despised him and they jeered at him. And they knew that if they sided with Nehemiah, they were putting their families and their fortunes and their very lives at stake. Because look at the question they asked in verse 19. What is this thing you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Here's what they were saying. If we can prove that you're rebelling against the king, you're dead. We will confiscate your property and we will take you out with legal authority. So the people of Jerusalem, this isn't like, oh, great, Nehemiah's here. Let's build a wall. Won't that be fun? No, this is, we got to choose God's cause or the world's cause. If we go against the world, the world is going to come against us. Friends, we are in a moral revolution and the world is coming. What does that mean? I'll use the words of a liberal. This is Theo Hobson. A British liberal thinker defines a moral revolution this way. That which is repudiated, that which was considered sinful and wrong, that which was repudiated must be celebrated. So what used to be sinful, what used to be counted as wrong, now that's celebrated. That's the way to go. That which was repudiated must be celebrated. That which was celebrated, honor, integrity, godliness, well, that must be repudiated. And those who will not celebrate must themselves be repudiated. Friends, we just affirmed our articles of faith. We're going to preach on those beginning the Sunday after Easter. The world will not tolerate what we believe. Some of you are sitting through human resource meetings right now. Some of you are conducting, I've talked to some of you, you're conducting human resource meetings right now and you're being told the new moral code. And the new moral code is boys can be girls and as girls, they can go to girls' bathrooms. And if they want to to pretend to be something that they're not, you have to pretend along with them or you're wrong, you're bad, you're evil. If you tell someone that their their lifestyle is is sinful, you're wrong. For you to stand on anything other than what Hollywood and what all the the cultural influencers say is the way to go today, you're wrong and they will cancel you. Friends, we're, we're in a cancel culture. And if we're going to stand on the word of God, they're going to come after us. Make no mistake. And some of you aren't going to stand because it's not convenient. It's too costly because you're not motivated. 
What you want is power, pleasure, popularity, possessions. And so long as going to church will give you that, so long as acting like a Christian will give you that, so long as putting a smile on your face and doing all those things will give you that, you'll stand. But many will not. You'll be like those John described in 1 John 2, 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. I have no doubt in my mind that our membership is going to shrink. I have no doubt in my mind over the next few years, as culture comes to bear down on our society, there are going to be those who will say, it costs too much. I can't go to church. I can't give my money. I, I can't be a part of that. If they're not going to give me a tax exempt status, if they're not going to, if they're not going to give me a, a, a tax return, if I can't use it, I'm not going to give. I'm not going to do it. It says, what's it do for my, my, my kingdom, my thing, what I'm about? Friends, if you don't have the motivation, you're not going to stick. If your motivation is not Ephesians 2, you're not going to make it. And you just need to be real honest is because what you're saying is you're a Tekoite. God's wrong, I'm right. I want earthly things. But if you will stand, you will not stand alone. Here's what I love about living hope. We're a strong family of faith. And we stand together. And we're going to walk through this season together under the authority of Jesus Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit. And write it down and don't forget it. All who serve God's cause choose participation with the people of God. We're not alone. We're participating. We're doing this together. Uh, what I love about the church and what I love about what I see here in Nehemiah is the diversity of the people. Look in verse one. Look who's serving. Steps up first, the religious leaders, the priests. And then you look at verses two through 30. Families. This to me is a powerful picture. Don't miss this picture. Glance down real quick. Look at those names. Those crazy, wonderful Hebrew names. Families. Think about what's happening here. Each family is, is building their portion of the wall. And one portion connects to the other portion. And that's what, when I picture living hope, that's what I picture. I picture my family. As, as my wife and I seek to disciple our children to love Jesus Christ, we're building that wall. And we hold hands with the family next to us and the family next to us. And together, we are all seeking to serve Jesus Christ and make disciples of our children and be disciples of Jesus. And we hold one another tight. We hold on to each other, helping each other. That's why next week's so important at 9.30. It's just one hour, but it says a lot. At 9.30, we're going to begin to teach our children once again to stand on the word of God. But most importantly, at 9.30, we're going to begin to teach parents how to disciple their children in this culture. It ain't as you, it's harder than it used to be. My son Jackson was in town this week celebrating, and we talked about how much harder it is to parent Asher in this culture than it was him, because there is so much more. Friends, we need each other. And that's what next Sunday and the preceding Sundays are about. <clears throat> because mom and dad... Well, an extra hour at church is not going to make a disciple of your child. It's the other six days a week as you pray with them and talk with them and teach them. And that's what we're going to help you do in that one hour. As you're building yours, I'm building mine, we're building ours together. We will participate together, standing in the promises of God. You know, I love this list of these families and those workers. And, and I think that those names are listed for a very important reason, to give honor to give honor to God and to those 
who were willing to serve the cause of God. My name is on another list. It's a very important list. And it's a list I hope that your name is on or will be on. It's a list that gives honor to God and blessing to me. It's, 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 it's found in Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. I'll put this on the screen. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Friends, my name's written in the book of life. And there's books about my life, a book about my life that I will give an account for. And make no mistake, the names on that record have repented and believed the gospel and joined in God's cause. I'm living my life so that one day I can hear Jesus say when the book of my life is opened up, well done, good and faithful servant. If you're serving God's cause, that's what you're gonna hear. You're gonna hear and you're gonna be thankful and you're gonna be grateful for the privilege to have served God's cause and your contribution will be noted. That's the third thing to catch. All who serve God's cause make a contribution to the purpose of God. Each group made their contribution to the whole and this is how the church works. Each one of us gives. Some of, we, we, we are all to give financially. What you give is not what I may give in terms of a numerical amount, but at a 10% minimum, that's what we all choose to give. Serve. You may serve differently than me. You may have a different set of gifts. That's okay. But when we serve God, no matter what he calls us to do, we do it gladly. We give financially because it pays for the ministry. We give time and energy because it accomplishes the ministry. And then we pray for one another and we encourage one another. And that empowers the ministry. Why would we do that? Friends, everybody in this room is serving a cause. Where your money goes, where your best energies go, where, where, your, where your hopes and dreams, that's your cause. And God calls us to his cause. And we need to encourage one another in this. I pray today that, that those who are saved, that you're encouraged with this. To know that there is motivation and, and participation and contribution that matters. Friends, be an encouragement to one another. Dr. Tony Evans tells the story of these two frogs on a rainy day like this who were hopping along and they fell into a deep pit and they were jumping to try to get out. And some other frogs gathered around the pit and they were looking in and they were looking and they said, oh, this is hopeless. And so they started telling them, give up. You're not gonna make it. You may as well die. Don't make this harder than it has to be. So they're telling them, you're not gonna get out. So one of the frogs just says, I give up. And he just slid down into the muck and mire and died. But the other one kept jumping, kept jumping, kept jumping. Finally, he jumped all the way out. And the frogs on the outside were shocked. And they came over and said, we cannot believe you did this. We were saying, you can't do this. How did you do this? And the frog looked at him and said, I'm deaf. <laughs> he said, the whole time I thought you were telling me, you can do it, keep jumping, you'll make it. Friends, what are you saying to people? Your actions speak louder than your words. See, there's a lot of people who claim to be Christians who don't, really don't make time for worship because there's other important things. 
they don't make room to give the first 10% because there's other important things. They don't serve because there's other important things. They don't get equipped to grow or connect in a group because there's more important other things. They certainly don't share their faith and seek to make other disciples because, well, there's more important things, aren't there? You're either serving God's cause or you're serving a lost cause. You get to choose power, pleasure, popularity, possessions. They are all lost causes. You will not keep any of them. When Christ returns and judgment is real, well, no. Friends, some of you are serving a lost cause and you need to stop right now. You need to engage in God's cause. Not coping with opportunities, thriving with opportunities. And what is thriving? Thriving is having the confidence to be intimate with God, the contentment to obey God's commands while, while absolutely trusting outcomes to God's capable care. Now, some of you can't do that. Some of you are not doing that. And that needs to, that needs to change right now, so let's pray. Father, I pray for some right now they cannot be a thriving people because they've never repented and believed the gospel for themselves. Lord, I pray right now for anyone who is not a Christian, who's never, to their knowledge, repented and believed and been baptized, will right now tell you that they have sinned honestly. Ask you for your forgiveness, trusting that Jesus has died to pay the penalty for their sin. As now, Jesus, because you're alive, you can live in them and they will ask you to, to reside in them and give them eternal life in you and that they will be baptized very soon. Father, I pray for many of my brothers and sisters in Christ who, if they're honest, Christianity is a convenience. It's the means by which they pursue their power, pleasure, popularity, and possessions. It makes them look good, makes them feel good. Father, that motivation will not stand in the, in the days ahead. I pray right now that you will convict us. I want to invite you to do something right now. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you if you really are living for God's cause. Right now, evaluate in your own mind your financial budget. Evaluate the time you give to prayer for God's kingdom. Evaluate the time you give to serve the church and tell other people about the salvation that is in Christ alone. And just be real honest. If you need to repent, repent right now. Commit yourself to God's cause. Jesus paid it all. All to him, him we owe. He cannot ask too much of us. He wants for us what is best. Trust him. Father God, right now, as, as many of your children are committing themselves to your great cause, give us, give us faith. Renew our belief. Provide for us the means by which we can be obedient and to gladly, motivated with a, with a participatory attitude, make our contribution for your glory and our blessing. And we will give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.